You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, welcome to this special edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We've been talking about being overwhelmed this month, and we've had some incredible leaders on. We've had Dabo Sweeney. We've had Pastor Robert Morris. And uh, today, we have the privilege of interviewing um, not only a great pastor, um, but a great friend. In fact, I would call him one of my very best friends in the ministry, Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church in North Carolina. Pastor Stephen, how you doing today, my friend? I'm awesome, man. I'm I'm overwhelmed with happiness and joy. Is that is that a misuse of the term overwhelmed? No, I love that. Purpose? No, I okay. love that. I love the way you switched that, man. That was that was really wise. That was that was sharp okay. right there. Okay, I was just looking for the silver lining, you know. I love it, man. Hey, leaders are optimists, right? We see the glass half full. <laughs> I think that's the way that's supposed right. to be. Um, right. You know, Pastor Stephen, one of, one of the cool things about watching you and watching the story of Elevation is um, just seeing what's happened there. And I I feel like I've got to see the whole thing take place. I mean, I feel like I've just, I mean, I've had a front row seat at what I would consider to be a major move of God. And stepping back a little bit, when you guys started the church, you I want to get this right, you were how old? I think 25. 25 years old. Um, So being 25 years old and just kind of looking back on some of the challenges you faced and some of the challenges that you see that younger leaders um, face in general, what are some of the biggest, most overwhelming challenges that you feel that younger leaders are facing in the world today? I mean, I I guess the the challenge comes down to a, a paradox that I never expected coming into ministry because I divided up blessings and burdens into two different categories. So I thought mm. that if you were experiencing the blessing of God, that you know that it would it would feel light, it would feel like momentum, would feel um, always going upward, always going forward. And um, something that I've learned since we started the church is that the blessing and the burden weigh the same. Mm. And so if God is going to bless you and entrust you with ministry, it's going to create responsibility, which is going to create weight. And, um, you know, I heard the phrase um, uh, recently used in a sermon, the weight of glory, which is obviously, you know, a well-known phrase. C.S. Lewis used it. It's a great phrase, but it's also a little bit of a misleading phrase. I thought that, you know, God's glory, um, salvation, all these awesome things that you pray for when you're starting a church, I always thought that those things were to be associated with just benefits, and, you know, that when you had those things that, that you wouldn't be stressed out. So for me, it was the perception as a young leader. I'm still a young leader. I was even younger when we started. It was the perception of me seeing um, God's power at work in other people, but I didn't see the pain that accompanied that. Mm. And I didn't realize the price that they were paying to be used by God, you know, internally, relationally, um, the devotion, uh, the kinds of conflict uh, that they would have to engage. So I think I underestimated a lot of that cost. Um, and say what are the biggest challenges, if you ask me what are the greatest blessings, I would answer with the same list of things. You know, I'd say, well, the greatest blessings we've had is we've seen a lot of people, a lot of people um, changed through this ministry. We've seen God's Spirit do an amazing thing in our city and even outside of our own city. 
And then if you ask me what's the challenge, I'd say, well, we've seen God change a lot of lives. <laughs> they, go in the, they go in the same bucket, you know, and I never understood that. You know, I, I think that's something that, um, uh, and it's weird, I was thinking about this today, talking about the subject of um, younger leaders, is I don't, I don't, I'm 42 now, so I don't feel like I'm the younger leader, but I, I definitely don't feel like the old guy yet. I feel like I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm in the middle. Um, and so I can kind of see a little bit of both worlds. Let me let me ask you this personally. Um, what What is one of the most overwhelming situations or challenges that y- you, other than what you just said, but getting, getting even more specific in the history of Elevation, what's one of the things that you feel like you've had to battle the most? I think the way that external opposition will surface your internal insecurities over and over again. Wow. And if it was just the um, external opposition, and I use that to mean, um, you know, media um, difficulties and challenges that we've been through in our church, especially in the last six months, as well as something as simple as somebody leaving the church that you thought would be there with you forever. Not that that's necessarily opposition, but it feels that way. And the way that those dynamic shifts cause things to rise up in you that you either haven't dealt with yet or you're still dealing with. And, you know, it would just be so nice if God would eliminate all those issues so that when you were doing ministry, you could lead people out of a place of complete wholeness. But you can't because you're, you know, you're broken, you're still being healed. Um, you're a person who, who still, even though you preach about living for the affirmation of God, not the affirmation of others, you still need affirmation from others. And then... Right. You know, because the ministry is based so much on feedback that we get from others and our life is designed to inspire others, when you're not getting that affirmation, or I'll say it this way, when you're getting antagonism at the same rate that you're getting affirmation that it's working, it causes you to look down deep inside yourself and say, why did I get into this to begin with? Mm -hmm. And there have been days where I've looked at the whole balance of of what it takes to do this, and I say, God, you know, I... I don't need all this. <laughs> I thought I thought it would be one way and and I thought that it would it would be a lot easier. I thought that it would get progressively easier. Um but you find that at every new level of of opportunity God gives you, you've got to deal internally with with monsters that you didn't even know were hiding out there. So mm. just to make it really practical so I so I don't just sound like I'm, you know, on your on your couch doing therapy or something like that. It just means that the greatest challenges that I've had in, in ministry have all been within. It's not what happens out there, because I found that if I'm in a good place with God, if I'm in a good place in, in my connection with Him and with my core team, you know, crazy stuff can happen on the outside, but it doesn't move me from, from believing God in big things. But on the other hand, little things have, have before knocked me completely off balance because of where I was internally. So it doesn't seem to be, you know, the size of the challenge or the demand that determines how, whether or not I'm overwhelmed, whether or not... Now, that's why I love the book that you've written, Perry, because I think even just that gift of how you write, not only in the opening of the book, but laced throughout the book, of you sharing the real, candid, behind-the-scenes, this is what it's like to, yes, be used by God, but also to feel the pressure of that, and then it's something that is difficult to describe, and you wouldn't trade it for anything but at the same time, it, it's not what it always looks like from, from the outside. So that's why I love the book, because it, it, it's not just uh, window shopping, looking at um, how a guy built a great church and a great leader such as yourself, but 
it actually gets into the into the plumbing of, of the toll that can take on you because man, it, it does take a toll and it's a great requirement and to him and much is given much is required. So I would say it's the internal thing that, that tends to surface over and over again. I could point to staffing issues or resource issues. All of those are there, but I like the way I heard this quote one time by Lou Holtz that he said, um, it's not the load but how you carry it that breaks you down. And I would say that's definitely true for me. It's not been the load of responsibilities that has broken me down, you know, in, internally and emotionally. It's how I've been carrying it. You know, Stephen, one of the things that we do as pastors is, and I, I know I've done this, I've done this um, in, in just different places, is we talk a big game. And so we'll hear that somebody's leaving our church and um, and it doesn't matter if you got a church of a hundred or you got a church of uh, fifteen or thirty thousand. When you hear somebody's leaving, that just that does something to you. And so we'll say things like, um, "Well, let them leave," and you know the back door is open, and da 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 da. But when when we get by ourselves, why why can that be? Because I know there are people listening right now, and they've had some people leave their church recently. Um, if if we let it get to us, that specific problem that can be over. I mean, it can crush a leader. Think back to you know the very first time that you had somebody leave Elevation and you you thought they were going to be with you. I mean, you thought they were going to be with you forever. What are some of the things you dealt with internally, and how do you deal with that now? At the core, it makes you feel like a failure. Um, we we judge our success so much on the harvest that we can see. And the shift for me, I don't know who first said this, but it's been a very helpful thought to me, is to judge your success not by the harvest that you see, but by the seed that you sow. Wow. And when people used to leave the ministry, or whether it was staff or they just attended the church, I would feel as if, well, all that was for nothing. You know, we invested in them, and we prayed with them, and we did this and that, and it was all for nothing. And one day God spoke to me in my heart and said, who says Who says it was all for nothing? You know, one plants, one waters. Um, I give the increase. Who are you to judge whether or not it was all for nothing? And, and I thought back in my own life, you know, the people that along the way when I was 13 and 14 and 16, and even my own mom, um, my parents, um, my grandparents, people who prayed for me, and, you know, they probably, um, many of them, have no idea that now I'm preaching the gospel. Um, of course, my mom does. She's on the front row, but I'm thinking back to Sunday school teachers and Bible study leaders and people who sowed a seed in my life, and they don't know now that I'm um, a minister, or maybe maybe they do, maybe they don't. But the point is, I've started looking more at God's the one who is keeping track of the investments that I make in people. And if they go on somewhere else to do something else, I have to entrust that to God, whether God told them to leave, leave or whether they left prematurely, um, that's not mine to judge. And once I started to release that and started to say, well, for the time they were, it doesn't make it easier, but it makes right. it bearable. And it gives me a context for going on in ministry because, man, if you live in this prison of everybody who leaves me means that I've lost something. I don't think you can survive in ministry that way. Wow. If you feel like you, you lost every time they left, um, you won't make it. But if you look at it as, um, you know, some people are going to be in my life for just a season, and what God will do in that season may be to prepare them for something else. 
Or who knows? You know, I've had people leave the church before who went to other churches, and they're growing in their faith more now than ever. But I've also had people who left who who left the church altogether, and that's the hardest when you feel like, yep. man, really, was all that for nothing? Did we make any difference? But I remember one specific person who left in that way, and they had been gone a couple of years, and they came back. And I had the opportunity to talk to them. And they weren't coming back to the church, um, per se, because they had actually moved to another city. But they, they said to me, I want you to know something, Pastor Stephen. They said, um, I know I'm still getting back on track with God, and you might have felt like when I left that uh, your ministry wasn't working. But I think this church is the only thing that kept me from taking my own life. And wow. even though I'm not where I need to be now, and I've still got a long way to go to get back on track, um, who knows if I'd even be here if it hadn't been for this ministry. And it reframed the way I saw it because, again, I always felt like a failure when they left. But who knows what God used you for? Who knows what they would have done? Who knows how much worse their life would have been? So I have to trust it to God and say, you know, some people are going to leave and it's going to hurt, but there will be others who will stay for, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years and beyond. And I'm going to build on that which remains. And, um, you know, I'm not going to miss what's standing right in front of me today because I can't get over what left yesterday. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm not going to miss out on what God has next because I'm holding on to, to how things were. And um, I don't want to make that mistake. Man, that's... That's solid. That, I'm sitting here taking notes, man. I'm not. I'm not making this up. I really am taking notes. That that ministers to me. I, you know, I heard you say in a sermon recently. I was listening to you preach, and you talked about. Um, you talked about the desk that uh, your your grandfather used to prepare sermons on, and then um, it. You went on to talk about how your dad um, didn't necessarily, you know, prepare sermons on that desk. He he, you know, prepared words for the the power company that weren't weren't very affirming or whatever but i started thinking about that today and i started thinking about our our time together and i was like man your grandfather was in was in ministry and he was doing ministry and today you, you're doing ministry but but it's a different world than your grandfather's world what do you think some of the distractions that leaders face today um leaders um your age my age our age versus distractions that people your your grandfather's age had to deal with? Well, he had a steady stream of people because of the type of ministry that he did, you know, smaller towns and smaller Methodist churches in South Carolina, and there was a very much an open-door policy. Anybody who needed anything anytime, day or night, from the pastor, you know, he was accessible and available, and there are certain strengths to that because he was very gifted, administering to people in that way but you know because of because of that i'm sure he would i'm sure he would envy certain things about uh my ministry situation in that you know i have a lot more time to prepare sermons i have a lot more time to prioritize hearing from god and you know we're a little more protected in that way but what i realized recently is that i was allowing a steady line of people to line up at my door virtually through the way that i was interacting with twitter Instagram, other social media, and as of this podcast recording, Perry, I've uh, been off of all of that now for a couple of months, and you know what, man? I feel amazing about it. It took about two or three weeks to detox, and we're still putting out stuff from different accounts, um, you know, linking to different things, but 
I haven't read anything or looked at anything on any social media for a couple of months now. And what it's done for me, I realize that, as you said earlier, and you said it very well, we talk a big game. And I'd say, oh, I know they're saying this on Twitter, but who cares? You know, they only have blah, blah, blah followers. And I, you know, kind of puff my chest out. And, and the thing was, though, 1130 at night, I'm laying down to go to sleep. And my, my eyes are kind of, my brow is furrowed and my eyes are squinted and I got my teeth clenched. And I'm just walking around kind of mildly angry at something somebody said or a hit that I took or something someone took out of context. And it was running like, I don't know how to explain it other than if you've ever had too many applications open on your um, computer or on your phone. And That's it good. And the whole thing down. And I realized that I had to close some of these, these, these dialogues and close some of these, these applications and some of these conversations. There are too many conversations happening. And how in the world am I going to get a word from God and hear from him if, I've, if I have flung open the doors of my heart to an anonymous line of people who don't even have real names? So, you know, I'm, 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 I could go off on this. But, but the, the real thing about it was, man, I was walking down the alley of the opinions of others at three in the morning in a dangerous neighborhood unarmed and then crying when I got pickpocketed. You know, you hear what they say about me. Why people talk, well, don't go down that alley at three in the morning. You don't have to be on that. You don't have to read that. And once I realized that I had given away a certain amount of my control, yes, certain things we can't and shouldn't avoid. You know, we need um, constructive feedback from people who love us. But that doesn't mean that we have to open ourselves up to receive whatever from whomever and so I think we live in such a culture of opinion where not only does everybody have an opinion, they've always had an opinion, but they have a way to virtually and anonymously um, subject you to their opinion unless you take yourself out of the line of fire. And so, you know, I'm not saying everybody should go off social media, um, but I am saying that some of the things that are, whether it's people personally attacking us, uh, which has been the case for me at times, or whether it's just needless stupidity, stuff that makes us envy the life of somebody else because um, we think that their, their life is so much sexier and more exciting or important than ours. You know, we have to find ways to shut those doors because the enemy is going to do this well enough without us feeding him material to work with. You don't have to load his gun to attack <laughs> us. You don't have to give him the bullet. So I've been working on that, man. That is solid. Don't have to load the enemy's gun. Um, I did that for years. Um, and then I would pull the trigger for him um, and then get mad that I got shot. And and it's just something. Well, So how do you deal with this then? Okay, so, so people go, okay, Pastor Steven is off of social media. And so what that means, and, and I'm kind of baiting you here because this is what I hear because I remember going off of that stuff for a year. Um, and, and I think... I think uh, I heard the same thing. I know you're hearing this. Well, Pastor Stephen is going off of social media. That just means he don't want feedback. That don't means he don't want to hear it. That means he don't want to hear the truth. That means he's not open up to criticism. That means he's not willing to receive things from people. Um, how, how do you answer that? That is as ridiculous as saying that someone who chooses to eat healthy foods and certain foods doesn't want to receive, you know, sugar, carbohydrates, and the things that cause them to be unhealthy. I mean, yes, I am a proponent of selective listening, selective hearing. 
Um, I have no interest in allowing every single person with an opinion equal access to my heart. Mm. And I have prioritized some people in my life that can speak anything that they need to speak into my life at any time. I do have a pastor. I do have best friends such as yourself, Perry. I do have a wife who's able to look me in the eyes um, and say what she needs to say. I do have relationships with several key people here locally within our ministry who can share with me if they have a concern, if they have an insight, and they have done that, and hope we'll continue to do that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to walk up and down the buffet and put in my mouth whatever whatever I see without mm. considering what it's going to take to consume that. I mean, we, we teach this, that Christians can't just watch whatever uh, movies that they want all the time, and this isn't a podcast about, you know, Christians and entertainment, um, but, you know, we teach that there's certain music, certain entertainment, certain things that we shouldn't consume all the time and expect to be healthy spiritually, but then we somehow expect that we can consume as many opinions as we want um, from other people and still be healthy as leaders, and it's just not true. It chips away at our courage. It begins to put weight on people's opinion who don't even have access to the relevant information to make a judgment. Now, all of a sudden, I'm letting somebody who doesn't even really know my ministry project the motives of my heart, and the dangerous thing about that is you begin to believe things about yourself that are not true. That's either so true. that you're either that you're a a, a terrible, uh, horrible, despicable, godless Ichabod person, um, or that you're a Messiah, that you're a water walker, and whether it's producing pride or whether it's producing resentment, you know, whether it's producing I'm not really like that, they don't understand, or an elevated view of ourselves, which can also lead us to ruin. Neither one is really healthy. I think we've got to be more grounded. This isn't a campaign for, you know, an anti-social media movement. I'm just speaking from my own experience, and maybe everyone's is different. But there was too much poison for me to continue going to that well. And what I had to do is find a different well within, first of all, within myself, through the Holy Spirit, through God's Word, and through the people around me that really love me and have something invested in me and that know what I'm really like, I care so much more. I'm not giving everybody's words equal weight in my life. Um, that, that's a ridiculous way to live, and if you live that way, you'll never accomplish anything. So I'm so past that as a leader, Perry, when people say, you know, well, you're out of touch. Well, I'd rather be out of touch with anonymous people online and be in touch with the Holy Spirit of God. Mm. So I'll take that. You know, I want to I drink from the right well. My hand's about to fall off. I'm writing all this down. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to my own podcast. That's kind of like liking nice. your own photo on Instagram. Nice. Um, yes. This is, hey, let me ask you, let me ask you, and I appreciate your, your time so much today. What are some things you do that, that are just fun for you that kind of help take the stress and the, the burden of ministry off of you? Even if it's just for 30 minutes, even if it's just for an hour, what are some things that you personally enjoy doing? Man, I'm scared to share this publicly because I really haven't said much about it, um, but I tried to start learning how to play tennis um, this last year. I wondered if you were going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to because then people assume that I'm saying that I actually can play tennis, that I'm actually good at it, and that's not what I'm saying. So, no, I'm, I'm not ready to play anybody listening to this podcast. But, you know, I went out and there's a guy that teaches lessons and, um, I just, you know, started, I just started, I needed a hobby because everything that I do is in my brain, you know, creating content from my brain and, 
and it's important stuff. You know, preaching is important. Leading a church is important. This stuff is is incredibly important. So I wanted something that didn't matter. So I've been going out there usually on Mondays, taking my tennis lesson, um, even playing a few people here and there. Um, it's it's just something I wanted to try so I could have something in my life that didn't matter. And mm. of course, my kids are the key to that. I mean, I'm. Yep always trying to start a fight at home in the octagon which is our trampoline i'm always trying to get one of them to put their their belt up for grabs um we have a, a, a wwf belt that we use as a ufc heavyweight championship belt and i'm always trying to you know get that just just this uh a couple days ago i took the kids to uh braves game they they really are in so many ways the great equalizer because yep. you know they don't care how many likes the picture got on instagram yet i know they will one day but right now you know they care am i present with them and it's just an amazing thing so yeah holly and i aren't really adventurous people but we keep our date night consistent and man i i also love i love music so much i can really um get lost in an album on my porch that's a great way for me and it doesn't always even have to be a worship album yep i don't know if that's something you're supposed to say but sometimes it's queen Sometimes it's Bon Jovi, you know, sometimes it's, I'm dating myself a little bit too. I'm supposed to be a young leader, but sometimes it's John Mayer. Sometimes it doesn't have to be um, a, a worship album. But yeah, I, I know that the spiritual health of a leader is the most important thing, but the emotional health is just as important as is the physical. Um, when, if they're not all working um, in a, in a triune way, we're going to fall apart anyway. So I'm trying to balance that out better, man. And, you know, like you exercising, I'm always impressed. You, you're always up five thirty six AM exercising. you set a great example in that way. Cause I don't know, man, that's a, I've always admired how you've had those things in place in your own life to, to manage it, to, to try to have at least the strength to, to manage the pressure because, the pressure is so great. If we're not having some outlet, we're gonna we're gonna explode. You know, I've got a daughter. Um, you've you've got one daughter and two sons, and <laughs> I keep thinking of how much joy. Um, the last time I came up and hung out with you, uh, that we had um, at Graham and in his telling yeah. of the story that it was a it was a thirty minute story that he told us. Um, and, and listening to him explain that story might have been one of the most fun things in my life. It was amazing. It was. It was It was a 30-minute story that could have been 30 seconds, and we loved every minute of it, man. <laughs> it had us captivated. Awesome. Well, man, I, listen, I can't say thank you enough for your time today. This, is, this has been amazing. This is a resource that's going to go out. It's going to help a lot of leaders um, from being overwhelmed. And uh, I'll just offer you up the last word and ask you, is there anything you want to say to that leader, or that group of leaders out there that might be, might be going through an overwhelming time right now? Yeah, totally. Um, I want to do two things with that question. And it's kind of like I want to thank you, but at the same time answer your question, because one of your strengths, period, that I think makes all of us um, love you, that know you personally, as well as those who are impacted by you, who just know you publicly, is that you are willing to write a book called Overwhelmed, and you're willing to open the book with, you know, chapters like, um, I can't handle it, you know, uh, the very first line, I wanted to kill myself. Who writes that? You know, who admits that? Because here you are pastoring one of the largest churches in our nation, one of the fastest growing churches in American history, and you could have written any book about your awesomeness, 
about your, you know, the collective awesomeness of your team. But to put yourself out there like you have in this book, I mean, just flipping through the the copy again, the pre-release copy that's all highlighted and marked up here in my office, I appreciate the fact that you have been in my life and now this book is going to allow you to be in a lot of people's lives. The person who reminds us, you know, you're you're not crazy. I mean, you are, but it's normal. And right. I can't count the number of times, man, where I've picked up the phone to um, tell you, you know, how I can handle the pressure that I'm going through right now. And the fact that you didn't give me back some formula, and this is the same thing that the book represents, but you helped me walk it out in faith, and you said, you know, things like, I feel you, man. And you, then you share a real example from your life. We've had those conversations for hours and hours and hours. And so to any leader who is overwhelmed, um, they're going to love the book um, if they're not already reading it because it's going to be a resounding me too. You know, sometimes I feel like I can't take another step and I don't know what in the world I'm doing, me too. And so I want to thank you for writing a me too book and being that kind of brother because um, we all need to know that um, struggling with rejection, struggling with frustration of things aren't going anywhere, feeling like uh, what we're doing isn't working, the things you've written about in the book, anxiety, worry, just by opening up your life as an open book. And I love how Paul said one time, he said, we were honored not only to share the gospel with you, but our lives as well. And that's what you've done here, and that's what you continue to do. So I just want to thank you for that, man. Well, thank you so much. It uh, it was a labor of love, and I appreciate it so much. And I want to thank all of our podcast listeners today for checking out this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. And we'll be back again, not next month, but next week with another special guest. So make sure to check that out.